Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Bring, bring it bring it to the bank. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with a club update, talking all things Leicester with Jim Knight, who you may know from Twitter, at Jim Knight 88 He also works uh, for Goal Slash Perform. Uh, Jim, glad to have you back on. We, we had you on on a segment where you had mentioned that you weren't that surprised to see Ranieri go based on how things have been at the club lately. Uh, we even did a full show the next day where more people were still just confused and and the loyalty word was kicked around a little bit. But seemingly, things have taken an upturn since he left, starting with that big win against Liverpool. Craig Shakespeare, the new interim manager, what has he done that's really turned things around for you? Um, I think there is um, a certain feeling of a return to a happier time for a lot of the players. Um, the squad isn't that much different than when we did the kind of impossible um, survival act under Nigel Pearson. And Craig Shakespeare has been with Pearson, um, well, until he left um, for Ranieri to come in um, at the beginning of last season. Um, so he's been with the players quite a lot. And I think he just has tapped into the frustrations that they felt under Ranieri. Um, the changes in tactics, the last minute kind of switches of formation, um, not necessarily being prepared enough for games, you know, or, or having your preparation changed at the last minute. Um, there's There's been a story cited a few times in, in the press where we've prepared for the Copenhagen away game, which I, I was at. Uh, in the Champions League for one with one formation, and then two hours before Ranieri decided to change it and go a different route. Um, that kind of thing has obviously unsettled a few members of the the squad and made it difficult for performances to be as good as possible. But yeah, I certainly think there's just a, a level of the the level of effort has certainly gone up in the last couple of weeks under Shakespeare. Um, he has taken his opportunity very well, I think, to step into the managerial spotlight. He's been very modest and said that he would obviously be very interested in the job full-time, um, but he's happy just to take it a game at a time. And thankfully, he's got back-to-back wins against Liverpool and Hull, which have essentially seen us hopefully pull that little bit clear of the uh, the relegation zone so that we can not um, lose too much sleep over it now and pick up, up enough points between now and the end of the season to, to see us in the Premier League for another year. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a return to to um, what's what's produced the best results previously. Um, last year we were playing a very stock four four two, and um, that's produced fantastic results. Um, you know, won the league, did, did brilliant playing that that formation, and then this year for one reason or another it's been kind of changed around a little bit. And Shakespeare has basically come in and said, right, reset, go back to what we did best under Pearson, what we did best under Ranieri. 
um, and it's bearing fruit. And yet yeah, it's only a two game sample. So, you know, it's far too early to say kind of back to the Leicester that we know and love from last year. Um, but it's certainly been enough at the moment of a shot in the arm to to get us out of immediate danger, which ultimately was kind of his only aim. Yeah, I'm curious uh, about long-term stuff. You did mention he'd be uh, willing to take it, but it's one match at a time. Um, I'm not going to make a tactical comparison that I've seen on Tottenham Twitter because it's quite rude. But with situations like this, with Tim Sherwood once at Tottenham, with Mike Phelan at Hull earlier this season, we've seen long-term loyalty guys step into the big chair, and then once somebody else is brought in, they tend to leave instead of stepping back down and roll. Do you think that would be the case here, and how would you feel about that? Um, it's, is a, I guess it's a question that we would have to come to terms with because of the fact that um, Shakespeare, is, he's had the taste of managerial kind of life now. I guess he hadn't ever really had that before. And the thing is with Shakespeare, he was called up. Uh, well, he was called up. He was offered the assistant manager's role um, under um, Sam Allardyce in the England setup earlier this season. Um, and obviously that went pear shaped very, very quickly. Um, so he actually was only in that role for one game. Um, so actually, in terms of like furthering his career, he might now feel, I guess, it, it would not be unreasonable for him to say, I would like to take a step into full-time management after the changes at, at Leicester and what that's shown him. My gut feeling, if I had a gun to my head, would be that he would probably be willing to stay um, under a new manager and take a step back down because I believe that is the kind of the, his bread and butter. And actually, although he's going to be in charge till the end of the season now, um, you know, that role could be one that he has to relinquish at the end of the season. I suppose the problem is that you know, like with with Phelan and Sherwood to a certain degree, the short term effects are that positive that you don't want to change things and you want that to carry on. But it's not always something that's possible. Um, whether or not the board um, and the, the the owners feel that he has enough to take on a Premier League team on a um, on a kind of you know a full time long term basis is is a different argument altogether, I guess. Um, it all it could all come down to how we perform in the next 10 games because, you know, for example, if we were to get through in the Champions League, which is a possibility, the way that we're playing at the moment, there is a puncher's chance there that we can get through and finish, say, 12th. I've just picked that number out of nowhere. Um, say we finish 12th in the league, you know, picking up X amount of points to now in the end of the season. Is that enough for him to be given a job long term? Um you know, it, it's a difficult situation. And also, you know, the fact that whether or not he wants the job, if you are looking at alternative candidates, you know, we talked about Gus Hiddink and, you know, managers and Roberto Mancini in the previous pod, managers of a certain stature internationally in terms of their um, kudos and the kind of respect that they garner around the world football-wise and, and the kind of impact that has on, on Leicester and King Power as a business a positive effect of having a big name manager like Ranieri, which is ultimately why we went for him. Um, you know, if the, those kind of managers were to come in, would they make room in their backroom staff for Craig Shakespeare? Because a lot of the time, these people come with an entourage of coaches and physio staff and sports scientists and people that they want to work with that they've worked with previously. So there's something to be said for um, continuity, for sure. And, you know, if it was up to me, I'd want to keep him almost no matter what. But ultimately, there could be a situation where 
it could swing it could vary wildly the situation that we're in in in, in a few weeks time he could either be in a position where he's done so well people are considering giving him the long-term job or he could be in a position where somebody else comes in and despite a really good record you know in charge he could be moved out you know through no fault of his own and forced out into you know taking a different role um so it's very much up in the air at the moment and you know it's so difficult to predict that you've just kind of got to see um how it goes over the next dozen games or so i guess like the champions league could be the tipping point if he does really, really well, not in a kind of Roberto Di Matteo coming and win the thing <laughs> kind of scope. I mean, that Why would be not? fantastic. But, well, yeah, it's, you know, we're not going to win it. But <laughs> ultimately, if we got through, we've already exceeded expectations. And actually, if he is able to get us through against Sevilla and we draw a mega, mega team, uh, which you're ever likely to do in the last eight, um, I'm not saying we have to win that game, but if we perform admirably against one of the, you know, the European heavyweights, this is a, this is kind of seven stages of separation here. Like you're going to have to bear with me on this. A lots of ifs and buts, but it then puts that question back into the fore again. And ultimately, can you know, are you in a position to let a manager go who has done so supremely well over that short term, um, even if you have doubts about him long term? Uh, and that's a question, I guess, for the owners. It, it's not a decision that I envy them in because I believe it will be extremely difficult whatever they they choose to do um, but ultimately he has stepped up and done a really good job and he deserves a shot at it. he's essentially got a 12 or 13 game audition process from now on uh, so yeah it's it's not a decision that I'd envy at all uh, because the way that we're playing there's every chance that we finish the season like a train and you know they might want to keep him going into next year um, are you, are you sure you could end the season on a good run? Has Leicester ever done that before? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if we, well, if I'm not saying we have to pick up as many points as we did under Pearson when we stayed up from absolutely nowhere, but you know there are a lot of middling teams coming up for us in our fixture list, which originally we were really worried about looking at uh, our fixture list, saying, oh, where are we going to pick the points up to stay in this league? But if you look at a lot of teams now that are starting to reach that 40, 50 point mark and aren't going to get into Europe, aren't going to get relegated... There's a lot of points on, you know, on, <laughs> potentially for teams that are still putting the effort in um, going into the last five or six games of the season. And actually, we could find ourselves in a position where the, the, the finish that we end up in in the league is more than suitable um, and more than kind of satisfactory from where we wanted to, to be this year. And yeah, it might have been an unorthodox route to get there. But ultimately, if we do get there, the board have got a decision to make. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, you mentioned some of the, the teams around you, though. Um, unfortunately, as you kind of hit your turnaround, we've seen some from the other clubs as well. Swansea have obviously improved great, greatly under Paul Clement, although they did drop points to Marco Silva's Hull, who have also been on form of late. Crystal Palace starting to turn things around. At this point, are, are you thinking there might still just be enough bad teams down there that you won't have to worry about it? And as you mentioned, you will be facing some of them in the road end. Yeah, I am. A, I'm sleeping a lot better from a Leicester point of view than I was a few uh, weeks ago. Um, certainly under Ranieri, because as I said at the time, I literally couldn't see how we were going to pick up any points. Um, the the performances were so dismal. Um, you know, you look at like the Swansea game, for example. We were beaten by Millwall in the FA Cup, which which obviously Spurs have gone through out of that tie now. But that that was just a huge opportunity to to get a feel good factor back into the club, and ultimately we bottled it against a League One team um, who have been comfortably outclassed since. Um, so actually, 
you know, with teams like West Ham, Stoke, Sunderland, Everton, Palace coming up, I don't think there's any team there that hold a particular fear. There's not that fear factor of, oh, they're a top four team fighting for Champions League place or whatever. Uh, in fact, a lot of those teams are either down there or fair to Midland to the point where they might be on the beach mentally by the time we play them. Um, so in terms of relegation, like where we are now, I feel like there's enough daylight between us and we'll pick up enough points uh, between now and the end of the season. Um, if you look at some of the teams down there, yes, yeah, some of them have improved. Sunderland and Middlesbrough, though, it's not good for that part of the world, but they're sinking like stones. Um, so ultimately, they've got a long way to go now. Um, Sunderland is six points off safety. Middlesbrough another three, but can't score full of no money. And Hull are kind of pulling out of it. Mm. I kind of feel like between Hull, Crystal Palace and Swansea, we'll kind of get enough points to pull away from that bottom six, bottom five. Um Bournemouth obviously could get sucked into it, but they're showing a bit of fight at the moment. Just not defensively. Um, yeah, just not defensively. They're scoring enough goals. They just can't stop shipping goals. But ultimately, if you are going to, you know, score three or four goals a game, there might be an odd... <laughs> they only need a few more points and they'll probably be safe. And that's the thing, you know, everyone points to that 40-point mark, but ultimately someone could go down this season with 35-36. Um, someone could stay up with 35-36 even because of the fact that there's so many very very average teams in there um so yeah that's just the way it's set up at the moment i'm not saying we're definitely safe because that would be churlish of me to do um especially if we did get through in the champions league and that kind of had that effect where everybody's looking at the next european game instead of the premier league games and we take our eye off the ball like we did a lot of times early on in the season and ultimately we ended up dropping points that we really shouldn't have dropped if we were on our game going into those matches um, so yeah, I'm not going to say definitely safe yet, but I feel a lot better about it now than I did three or four weeks ago before we got that Liverpool result. And then Hull, obviously that's absolutely massive because they're down there as well. Um, but I would like to think that if we can maintain anything close to the form level at the moment, we'll pull away from it quite easily and we'll hopefully go kind of onwards and upwards. But yeah, it's more... It's more relief now, I think, rather than worry, which is a which is a nice change in feeling because it's um, it's no fun when you're down there and scrapping, um, particularly when you've got this title hanging overview of like worst Premier League champions ever, and if that is compounded by relegation, you you know that that title is forever going to be asterisked with and got relegated the next year. Um, so it's nice to feel like that might not be the case th- uh, this season now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
Yeah, well, it does sound like it just in your voice that, that you are definitely more relaxed about the whole thing. I'm just time. a happier soul, Kev. I'm yeah. just a happier soul these days. Last time was very stressful because not only had you lost your manager, but also everybody was yelling at you about how you should feel about it. Um, <laughs> but if you do manage to stay up, uh, what changes do you think we'll see in the summer uh, kind of throughout the club? Will anybody else be held responsible for this year's failure outside of Ranieri? Failure seems harsh, but considering coming off that title run that you spoke of. Um, or will it just be probably bring in a long-term manager and just kind of keep things running the way they are? I think it would be bringing a long-term manager and keep things running the way they are. Hopefully, if Shakespeare could stay, that would be fantastic uh, because I think it feels like continuity then. Um, obviously, he's so involved in like first-team affairs that having him stay you know, would be ideal. And maybe that might change our approach in terms of recruitment if we were to look at managers who would be happy to work with him instead of necessarily bring in their own team that might be a, a strand for the recruitment team to go down um which would be fantastic if that was the case and they felt like there was still a, a major candidate there which filled the role of a high profile appointment but also was able to maintain that continuity throughout the club um i do feel like john rudkin the director of football um, needs to be held accountable for the lack of transfer um, business that we've done in the last two windows um, since Steve Walsh left for Everton. Like I, I appreciate there may be a, a change in tack there. Like by all accounts, Steve Walsh was an extremely integral part of the, the you know the title winning team and the, the promotion team from the Championship and staying in the league through bringing in players like Mares, Knockart, going a bit further back, but like. Kante and Vardy, all these players that have turned out to be, you know, integral parts of the team, are are Steve Walsh signings. Um, and though that, you know, there's talk that a lot of our signings this year have been Steve Walsh signings from when he was at Leicester. We've just kept the same uh, target list and tried to, to to get those across the line. Um, I do feel like the business. There's been a stark contrast between the business that we did when he was there and the business that he's done since we left, and it has been. Um, pretty poor and disappointing this year that we weren't able to bolster the squad in a more effective way because I feel like that would have been one way to get ourselves um, a footing in the league more um, and we're just we're just so short at certain um, certain positions um, and the team are not a young team um, on the whole there are a lot of aging players who we've given contracts to in the last six seven months that ultimately could probably do with replacing in the next year to 18 months themselves. Um, so if you look at the defence, you know, you've got Christian Fuchs, who's got a ready-made replacement in Ben Chilwell. But ultimately, if you've got your two centre-backs in Wes Morgan, Robert Hooth and Danny Simpson, all the wrong side of 30, all had plenty of, you know, water under the bridge and lots of miles in their legs, they can't go on forever. And although the results have improved this year, you know, you'd like to think there's a certain process of building for the future. Um, so whether or not he's replaced in his role as director of football or whether he's just, you know, his staff are bolstered by someone who is able to handle the transfer business because ultimately he didn't have a lot of experience going into that role. Um, and I think that has shown a lot. Um, I think there's been quite some some quite amateur kind of level negotiations going on. I think we've overpaid for some players um, and I think some clubs have taken advantage of that fact. So I think he is one of the main changes. Um, other than that, Hopefully we kind of keep, you know, the same people who've got us into this situation um, that allowed us to win the league. I just think there's certain tweaks that need to be made. I guess a lot of this is kind of null and void, depending on who the manager is. Um, 
you know, that appointment is essentially pivotal. And actually, if we do stick with Shakespeare, a lot of it could stay as it is. That might be a positive, might be a negative. But, um, you know, until we know what the approach is with the manager, whether or not we're even going to be looking for one in the summer, um, a lot of the other positions are up in the air, I guess, which isn't a nice position for anyone to be in. But ultimately, that's football. It's very short-termist. And, you know, you only use, like I said, with the, the Ranieri pod, you know, it's what have you done for me lately in a harsh kind of business sense. And ultimately, sometimes people have to pay the price for that. Yeah, as for players, obviously there was a lot of interest in Mars and Vardy last year off of the title winning year, obviously Conte as well, which led to his departure. Uh, do you think you're going to hang on to most of those kind of blue chip players? Or, or are you thinking maybe their stock is so down based on the performance of Leicester throughout the year that they may be there another year? Or are they just going to choose to be there another year? I think Vardy will probably stay now. Um, I think he had his opportunity to move when Arsenal came calling. And ultimately, if someone came in and bid kind of 20 million for him, he's got a decision to make. Um, I just would can't you, see... Would you guys take that kind of money for him? Yeah, I think we probably would. Um, I That's pure speculation on my part. Like, I don't know. Well, I'm just looking at it from a... We, if we were willing to take it when he was 29, I feel like we'd be willing to take it when he was 31 mm. um purely from that point of view the fact that arsenal had a bit accepted and we were happy to take that level like it was only kind of low 20s mid 20s like it wasn't a ground breaking earth shattering offer by you know the standards of modern football it wasn't a record breaking um transfer by any means they, you know there are plenty of bang average players who've gone for circa 20 million we bought one of them in ahmed musa um so, you know, if, if that kind of bid was to come in again, so be it. But I actually can't see a club coming in and offering him the same level of wages or better, plus paying 20 million plus for a guy in his early 30s who, yeah, has had a good, you know, well, might end well this season, but ultimately has only scored a handful of goals um, and is a very streaky player. Um, unless you're willing to give him a consistent run in the team, he'd be kind of, he'd, he might actually be a good impact sub, but he's such a confidence player and you can see how much it's changed since Shakespeare's taken over uh, a huge red flag to anyone who's considering paying silly money for it. Um, Mares will probably finish the season like a world beater in order to attract a move because that is kind of his MO. You can tell he's turning it on when he feels like the cameras are on him a little bit. Um, and similar to Vardy, he, he, you know, he's a very streaky player. Um, bizarrely, he was probably one of the worst performers against Hull in the entire eleven. Um He did virtually nothing the entire game, bar score a quite good goal, which is the kind of highlight show reel that he is kind of being known for now. Um, but again, with this, these new contracts, I kind of feel like we've priced out a lot of mid-range clubs from buying our star players. Ultimately, it's going to take a real, real elite club to come and bid for Mares for him to move. It would take a Barcelona, a Real Madrid, a Manchester City kind of level. Um, oh, just and like again, silly wage they, packet wise. Yeah, if they were willing to say, here's 40 million or 45 million or whatever it was, whatever valuation we put on him, plus he can have 200 grand a week, fine. Like, no problem with that at all. <laughs> because you can't keep players that are going to get bid for in that way and he clearly wants to better himself in terms of money and football setting and stuff and that's fine um i've got no issue with that at all there, there are a few other players 
um, who we'd perhaps be more willing to let go. But because we've bulked everyone else's contracts up, I feel like those blue chip players, as you put it, are going to stay. And I actually feel like in like Ben Chilwell, Wilfred and Didi, Damari Gray, we've probably got the makings of quite a good team, like youthful prospects. And actually, if we built around them, um, we could kind of transition from quite old squad to kind of young, relatively exciting team with a few additions in kind of key places. If we can get a centre-back in that's not 30, um, keep the goalkeeper as is, the midfield with Danny Drinkwater and Wilfred and Didi is still relatively young. Um, and, you know, we've got the pace on the wings. Then, you know, and Bartosz Kaputska as well, which everyone's completely forgotten about by the odd cup appearance. But if he is as good as the 9 million or 7 million, whatever we paid for him in the end, um, comes good and he, you know, is the exciting prospect that everyone expected him to be at the beginning of the season, then there's the makings there of a really, really good team um, kind of going forward with the view to the next two to three years. And if that team grows together, you know, it could do some good things. So if if someone wants to come in and bid silly money, it's going to sound stupid. But of course, we're going to, you know, fight for our players, but ultimately there's only so much you can do. Um, but I feel like this year, the stock of them will be a lot lower because of what's happened for the vast majority of the season, regardless of how we finish. Mares is probably the only one I can see potentially still being targeted by that, that kind of move. I think everyone else will kind of stay, not least because we've padded out their contracts to the point where they probably don't need to move now. Um, you know, 12 months ago, they were on, you know, wages that could be doubled or tripled by other clubs. Now that's not the case. Fair enough. All right. Well, it sounds like things are looking uh, pretty positive for you there uh, over at Leicester. So best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, I, as Kev mentioned, work for work for Goal.com and Soccerway, who are the perform portals. We produce betting content on a regular basis for both those. Um, so if betting and football betting in particular is your thing, then uh, feel free to head over to either goal.com or Soccerway. Find us on Twitter or Facebook and you know check out our content from there. Um, if betting on football is your thing. Awesome, right? Thanks so much, Jim. Best of luck to you and I hope to speak soon. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.